Welcome back to Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and in this episode, Pastor Andrew is going to be taking a look at some current events that are pretty eye-opening. From the depictions of Greek gods and goddesses at the Chicago World's Fair of 1893, to artificial intelligence robots coming out of the Tesla company and other companies found in Hong Kong of all places. After that, Pastor Andrew will be getting into the meat of this episode, taking a look at different battles talked about in the Bible, from Armageddon to the Battle of Jericho, to the post-millennial battles against Gog and Magog, with the focus being that if you aren't winning, you're losing. Now, let's get into it. were able to be here last week with Pastor Anthony. So yeah, come on. Come on. You told him to do that, I know. And uh, But here's the funny thing. I, I need to, uh, he, he alluded to the normal speaker for Prophecy Hour being a genius. And I need to go ahead and put it out there because it ain't me, because right after he said that, he started saying words that I had no idea what they meant. And as I looked those up and tried to follow along with Pastor Anthony Calvert, he's a, he's a blessing. He's a blessing. Yeah, we're thankful for him. As a matter of fact, precious person from our church texted Kelly, and I actually was joking with him about it. Texted Kelly and said, hey, the message was great. More people need to hear that on a Sunday morning. I'm thinking, I get to preach on Sunday morning. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> but I know it's just encouragement. Laura Robertson, who sent that text. So, uh... <laughs> Laura's also a blessing uh, to us here. <laughs> All right. So listen, I got fussed at a couple of weeks ago because I went over in time and I had a bunch of slides in there. Maybe not a bunch, but I had some slides in there. Uh, so we, I've been missing out on the jokes. And so I've got a joke. And if it's not funny, then I'll miss out on jokes again. So this is on you people. If you laugh, I'll bring jokes. If you don't laugh, why bring jokes, right? But some of us feel by Wednesday kind of like this. Jesus has got to carry us because there's no way we can make it happen, right? Anybody with young kids relate to this? 10 minutes into the family walk? See, the jokes are out again. No more jokes for you. Glasses, serious prophecy. All right. Gosh, I can't see when I look up with these things. Ready? World's Fair, Chicago. In the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, they had these things that would go around called the World's Fair. The World's Fair was a pop-up amusement park, but it was more than that because the World's Fair was the unveiling of new technology. And there was a man named Nikola Tesla who was in a race with Thomas Edison and with, there was one other, um, his name escapes me now. Uh, there was three people racing in technology. Nikola Tesla was the guy that, in essence, many believe created free energy. Free energy. 
But for some reason, shortly after the Chicago World's Fair, Nikola Tesla went into seclusion and hiding and died alone with a pigeon. I say that because that was his only company in the last few years of his life. Now, let me talk about the World's Fair. This is the World's Fair in a matter. So take this in for just a moment. If you pay attention to the circle, you take, pay attention to the imagery, you pay attention to the statues, all of this was a nod here in early America to the Greek gods and goddesses. So it was, in essence, committed. How many of you guys um, are aware, and I've said it many times, that there are people that are oblivious to what they're actually doing, but then if you go up high enough and you go deep enough, you find there are people that know exactly what they're doing. So when we look at things from Hollywood to even the World's Fair, this God that is in the middle of the World's Fair that everyone is pointing to, there is someone somewhere that said, we want to magnify the gods of old, not the God of the Bible. You with me? So the World's Fair build this huge structure, and in a matter of weeks, listen, this is not joking, this is true 100%. These are block, wood, and steel structures built in a matter of weeks and dismantled in a matter of weeks. This whole area, this whole waterfront area was empty a few weeks after that picture was taken. Buildings torn down and removed. Now, why is that weird? Why is that important? Because I don't know if you know, but this teeny tiny little building back here we've been building for seven or eight months it's metal it comes in a kit it's like legos to see something like this in the early 1900s even 1890s done by people and now we have a hard time even building a fire sometimes anybody else have a hard time starting a fire in their fire pit or is it just me I'm like doggone it went out again and I got paper and cardboard and kerosene and everything else still go anyway now what is the number one thing that people in power desire more power how do you get more power you control what energy 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 it's all the rage so why do you think so many people are so bent on putting us in a corner where we can only get our energy from them? Let's take away all the sources of conventional energy, be it fossil fuels or even whatever. Charcoal back in the days. Let's take away all these sources of energy and heat to where you can only get your energy from me. And we see that's not really working out that well. I mean, you guys have seen the picture of the Tesla with the generator, gas power generator on the back of it in California. <laughs> seen that one? It's like, many do believe that Nikola Tesla was able to figure out a way to create clean and free energy. Now, here's the thing. If you dig, and you don't have to dig that deep, there have been many folks over the years that have created water-powered motors, that have created hydrogen, which is part of water, pow source powers for cars, for vehicles, for generators, for whatever. 
People have figured this thing out. Magnetic motors that don't need anything to run after they've been started. They just begin to rotate. And it's a smaller scale. The idea is if it gets big enough, it can bring power to our cities and to our homes. And in most cases, before the patent is approved and the technology makes it to you and I, they are dead. Why? Because the one who has the energy has the power. There's a little war going on right now between Russia and Ukraine. Now, I watched a speech today, um, Vladimir Putin's speech from yesterday, from, no, that was today. I watched his speech and I saw the translation and other than me just not being right with the translation, somebody was fooling me. It was actually a rousing speech. If I was a Russian, sign me up. I, I, I want to do this. He was, he was very compelling. As a matter of fact, he was so compelling that as of this evening, there, can, there are no flights out of Russia. Why? Because one of the things he said in the speech is that there is a full call to arms. Men are taking their families to the airports and being turned away because it's the draft. It's their version of the draft. We may need you. Now, what does that have to do with energy? Where is the energy? In the Ukraine. So many years ago, Russia annexed Crimea because there was a lot of wealth there. Now Ukraine is on the radar. Now, if you're looking at from a Russian standpoint, the NATO allies are encroaching upon their territory and, and Vladimir Putin and the Russians are coming against that and saying, we don't want you to be in our back door. So we're going to fight back and take this nation of Ukraine or at least put a presence in there. What that has to do with prophecy will unfold in just a few moments, but in the speech, he said some very interesting telling things. I don't think I summed up this, the World's Fair idea. Did I, Mike? The, world, the whole idea of the World's Fair is energy and the capacity of mankind to build. So the only thing that's squashing that is what? The people that have the power, the control. You know why we can't build buildings faster than six, seven months? It's called inspections. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling. The speech that Vladimir Putin was making as he compared the failures of the 80s from the dismantling of the Soviet Union, he began to draw parallels to we dropped the ball or we ignored aggression then and it cost us many, many nations and borders. And basically what he was saying in this speech is I refuse to do that now. Now, the thing that concerned me is like it felt as if we want to get back to here. And we're starting with the Ukraine. That's what it felt like to me. He said this, quote, the showdown between Russia and these forces, meaning NATO, cannot 
be avoided. So, Scripture tells us that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Right now, this is a rumor of a war, at least on the scale that he's saying. But we know there's fighting going on there. There's war going on there. There's suffering going on there. But according to his speech today, we need need to be in prayer for the people of Ukraine and for this entire situation. But how many of you guys understand that God is still in control? So we're talking about current events. Let me bring to your attention one more current event before we get into uh, really our, in essence, our topic tonight is called, if you aren't winning, you're losing the battles of the Bible. But let's look at, let's look quickly at this thing called artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence in scripture may have some implications in prophecy. While it doesn't say that, if we take a step back and begin to understand what it was that John was seeing, or in Ezekiel, he was seeing, we've talked about the wheel within a wheel, we've talked about the spirits that would move from one thing to another, and their faces wouldn't change, but they would move as if they didn't, they would move on a whim, as if the spirit would compel them. Artificial intelligence at its core goes back to the original sin, which is what? Pride. Pride from the root of the serpent saying, Eve, eat of the fruit so you can be like God. Artificial intelligence is in essence at its core if you really get down to it, a vehicle to help humanity be like God. As a matter of fact, there is a man. Let's see if I can get this uh, name right here. A man named Hugo de Garris, the professor uh, at a Chinese university. His title is Head of Artificial Brain. Head of the Artificial Brain. There was a two-hour-long radio interview with this man. One of the things that he said is they just, he described how the microprocessor, which by the way, when you say microprocessor, it used to be that it was a rice-sized thing, right? We've seen the pictures and we've seen the graphics of, of some company in Sweden that's marking all their people. You've all seen that, right? I don't know why it's always Sweden. To me, they should all be marked by then. Anyway, the microprocessors have developed beyond rice to sand. They are now at the precipice and have already created microprocessors the size of a grain of sand. Now, they're in testing according to the professor, the head of the artificial brain in China. If we've learned anything since 2020, China is not a very good place that we can trust with testing things. Things tend to get out. You with me? This professor has said that 
these microprocessors, in essence, when they are used, the microprocessor would cause the human to have lost his or her humanity altogether. Much more than a merger, the AI takes over and they become AI themselves. So why would anyone in this position want to be artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence and people like that begin to change what they have need of. In essence, part of this person or all of this person moving away from humanity could become like a God. Now, that's artificial intelligence. We have a video that's going to play behind me from Tesla. Um, and it's intended to... Um uh, be friendly, of course, um, <laughs> and uh, navigate through a world uh, built for humans and uh, eliminate dangerous, repetitive, and boring tasks. Um, we're setting it such that it is, um, at a mechanical level, at a physical level, uh, you can run away from it, um, <laughs> and, and most likely overpower it. <laughs> so. Uh, hopefully that doesn't ever happen, but um, you never know. So it's uh, it'll be a you know a light a, a light yeah anyway five miles an hour you can, if you can get run past on that it'd be fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, around uh, five foot eight. Um, uh, has sort of a, a screen where the head is for useful information, um, but has otherwise basically got the autopilot system in it, so it's uh, got cameras, got eight cameras, and... Um, you can mute the video on it, let it keep playing, it's only a couple minutes. Elon Musk is not known for his public speaking. Um, however, he did say some things in 2018. He said, quote, mark my words, artificial intelligence is far more dangerous than nukes. Far. He also said in a Popular Mechanics article, warning that the misuse of artificial intelligence is like summoning demons. He says we should be wary as they may wish to harm us, which could spell the end of the human race. Stephen Hawkins, a well-known atheist, said artificial intelligence would take off and redesign itself at an ever-increasing rate. There was a artificial intelligence bots created by Facebook recently that were found to create their own language and begin to communicate with one another. When Facebook found this, they claimed to have shut them down. However, one of the hopes or desires or goals of artificial intelligence creators is that they would create their own language and then turn around and translate said language to us. Because the feeling is that their language would be much more efficient than our language. However, our language has different nuances, body language, uh, facial expressions, and so on. Which brings me to Handsome Robotics in Hong Kong, 
which is in China. Lifelike robot named Sophia. I don't have a video of it because it was freaky. But that's not stopped me before. Anyway, <laughs> this robot can appear to smile, frown, look puzzled, look compassionate, look amused, and so many other emotions that display on human faces. Sophia was put in front of another robot, and they began to do what was called machine learning. As a matter of fact, it was said that Han, the other robot, said to Sophia, I want to create a singularity tomorrow. To which the other robot said, all right, me too. Elon Musk, talking about AI, was jokingly saying it's designed so you can run away from it and overpower it. But he wasn't joking. The reason why they want to build these robots is they want to automate in this way the production of Tesla vehicles and trucks in the future. These mundane tasks that are assembly line type tasks, they want robots, optimists they call it, robots to do these tasks. His goal is that they start in the factories, yet the next corner is they begin to develop these robots in the millions to serve people all over the world. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie? Hi, robot. We also need to understand that technology, as we just saw from the World's Fair, is way further ahead than we even know. Did you know that? It is being released to us only because, quote-unquote, the powers that be say, okay, now's the time to release this technology or that technology and so on. There's so much more that I believe humanity has even discovered that they are keeping under wraps. It won't take you long to kind of begin to look at Nazi Germany and to figure out the technologies that they had in the 40s. They were building things that we're just now saying, look what we built. They had it in the 40s. And because the war, because they lost the war, they never came to fruition. However, as we learned two weeks ago, Operation Paperclip, our nation grabbed all those scientists and took those, that knowledge and began to put it to work for our benefit. Now, battles past and yet to come. Let me preface this by saying that some of the things we talk about in here, actually a lot of the things we talk about in here, are what we would uh, call second or third tier type matters in regards to doctrine, theology, and those types of things. We stand upon the truth of God's word. We stand upon the fact that the cross alone is powerful enough to save us from our sin, that Jesus' work on the cross was completed. However, we do talk about things that I wonder if it's this way or I wonder if it's that way. So are you ready to wonder if it's this way or that way with me? All right, let's get weird. I promise you this, this much. Whatever we talk about tonight won't be as weird as what Anthony talked about last week. <laughs> and now that he's gone, I can just talk about him all I want. And you can't tell him, Broderick. <laughs> Lips are sealed. <laughs> all right, let's talk about this. This is going to be good. Battles in the Bible. Let's start with the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon. 
We read in Revelation, let's see, I think it's 16. Revelation 16, we read about this battle. Just read through the text for just a moment. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out the bowl into the air and a mighty shout came from the throne and the temple saying, It is finished. Then the thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and a great earthquake struck, the worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city Babylon split into three sections and the, city of many, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island disappeared and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm and hailstones weighing up to 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. So battles through the Bible, we want to talk about Armageddon, but I first want you to try to wrap your brain around what I'm thinking. It's going to be a challenge. Have any of you guys seen or like, I don't know, the best way I can describe it is our meager attempts at doing like multiverse or the movie Inception to where things are all wonky and moving around. Do those make sense? Like you're looking at things and there's a time frame over here and you can almost see through it and see something going on in another time or space. Does that make sense? So we've talked about who God is and God is outside of space and time. So we are linear. We are in, uh, we talk about three dimensions, but there's a fourth dimension. It's called time. We are limited to this second on this timeline, period. God is outside of all of that. We understand that, right? So God could look down and see both the cross and the battle of Armageddon at the same time. You with me? So this is going to be fun. So John chapter 19, chapter 19, verse 30, we see Jesus on the cross, starting verse 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty, a jar of sour wine was sitting there as they soaked a sponge in it, put the hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Matthew chapter 27 gives us a, another picture of that moment when Jesus is on the cross. John tells us what he said. Matthew tells us how Jesus said it. Matthew 27 verse 50, then Jesus shouted again and released his spirit at that moment. The curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. What shook? Rocks split, what? And tombs opened and the bodies of many godly men and women had died, who had died were raised from the dead. That's a whole nother thing. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went to the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. That's a whole other thing, but I can't just pass over it. Can you imagine? You just left Aunt Lulu's funeral a week ago. And it's potluck day and you're eating the roast, and in walks Lulu. 
where'd you come? The rock split. The cemetery gave me up. And here I am. Can you imagine? If the Bible says it, then it's what? <laughs> okay. That's, I just think that's one of the coolest things in Scripture. It is finished. Could it be? <laughs> Could it be that the voice declaring it is finished in Armageddon was the same cry that went up from the cross? <laughs> you with me now? Because the work in, that was happening at Armageddon that brought down the complete and total victory for the Lord was accomplished where? Not at Armageddon. On the cross. <laughs> I know this is cool. And so God who's outside of space and time, the vocal cords of fully God and fully man says, it is finished. And that, you see, Jesus doesn't have to repeat himself. I said, you didn't hear me. I said it is finished. Are you with me? You see, when God says it, we can go back to Genesis if you want. God said, let there be light. Oh, maybe, maybe creation wasn't listening. I said, let there be light. You see, Jesus, it is finished. And then the spirit realm, the battle of Armageddon was just then won. Isn't that cool? Because we serve a God who's outside of space and time and he doesn't have to repeat himself. And, and these are not things that are easy for our brain to grab. I was watching a, a teaching recently from a guy named Craig Rochelle and a great dynamic preacher. He doesn't have a church in town, so I'm not worried about telling you about him. Um, <laughs> you got to drive really far to go to his church. Anyway, <laughs> he was talking about, uh, he was having a hard time mentally. He was, he was struggling. Um, everything was good on the surface, but mentally he was struggling. And so he went to uh, a counselor and the counselor reminded him of the scriptures and said, uh, what does the scripture say about loving God? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength and all of your mind. And he said, are you loving God with your mind? I don't know how. So I can give you this much that if you sit and think about is the voice of Jesus that yelled on the cross and shouted on the cross the exact same voice that came down from Armageddon? You can really love the Lord, your mind, the Lord your God with your mind when you just meditate on how big and how awesome and how cool he is. But I don't want to stop there. Because there was a shout from heaven, and, and, and you've heard me say before that that. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And what that means is, is we can go to the battles of the Bible and see the foreshadowing of the battles of Revelation. How was the battle for the promised land won? Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6 tells the story of Jericho. And it says here, 
Actually, I just I just saw <laughs> in Joshua chapter seven it says <laughs> I I don't need to say AI defeats the Israelites, but <laughs> right anyway. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to end tonight with what AI means and why it's important in prophecy. So don't let me stop before we do that. In the book of Joshua, the way that God does it when he wants there to be no mistake that he is the one that did it is he removes mankind from the equation or he does it in such a way that it doesn't make any sense. So he tells the people of Joshua, uh, of the Israelites that are with Joshua, walk around Jericho. How many days, you remember? Seven days. On the seventh day, they walk around how many times? Did you know that God told them to shut up the whole time? He said, nobody talk. Why? You know what happens when people talk? They complain. He said, I want to hear nothing out of nobody until day seven when I say so. So I don't know about y'all, but if I was in there, Man, how many times are we going to walk around this city? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, man. I don't know what we're doing out here. I got a nice tent back there on the hill. I got some unleavened bread I can be eating. Got us walking around here. But then how did they win? Verse 20. When they got permission, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, which was their cue, they shouted. And it was the shout that brought down the wall, not anything else. They didn't set up catapults. They shouted. And in the book of Revelation, a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple. Who's on the throne in the temple? Who? Jesus I wonder, I wonder about thunder and lightning because what we see in Armageddon is there's thunder and there's lightning. And if there's Old Testament stuff that lines up with that, there's a couple of cats that you might know named Moses and Elijah. So we learn about thunder and lightning and fire from heaven. And I love, I really have enjoyed looking at this comparison. So if I had a felt board up here, remember those? I'd put a flame up here and I put a flame up here and I put a little Elijah up here and then I put a bunch of people here. But the point being is that God showed up in Elijah's day with fire that came down from heaven and in Armageddon, he brought that same judgment down upon, upon Babylon. God showed up at Mount Sinai and he spoke to Elijah. He came in a cloud and a mighty storm with thunder and lightning. He showed up at Mount Sinai, and the scripture says in Exodus 20, 18, that the children of Israel were terrified. And you know what they did? They said, Moses, you go up and talk to them. We don't want to talk to them. <laughs> you see, because that is the pattern that Israel had, is that if, the, if a prophet or the man of God was coming to talk to you, something must be wrong. I can't tell you how many times I have talked to people in my office. Hey, come by and see me. I need to talk to you for a minute. And they come in there and sit down. What do I do? 
And most of the time, it's nothing. Most of the time, I'm recruiting them for something. So if you ever get invited, get ready. <laughs> I need to see you after service, Lou. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so in Moses and Elijah, we see these two prophets that are experiencing the thunder and the lightning, and then we see it again in Revelation that it is another indicator of the power of God for Armageddon. The very people that ran from God in Israel, the prophets of Baal, were judged in that moment. Then we also see in 1 Samuel 14 and 15, and again in Matthew that we just talked about that earthquake, 1 Samuel 14 and 15, we see an earthquake, a mighty earthquake that literally put fear into the Philistines. An earthquake showed up, and then God put fear in the enemies of his people and gave them a mighty victory. That, that story talks about them learning or being reminded through the earthquake that they were chasing after Jonathan, who, David's friend. They were chaser, chasing after someone who was actually an Israelite. And then they said, uh-oh. We remember what they did at the Red Sea. We remember this is the God that had set them free and won many battles. In Revelation chapter 20, we see another war called Gog and Magog. This is after the millennium. And it says in verse 7, when the thousand years came to an end, Satan will be led out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog. In every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as the sand along the seashore. And saw them as they went up on a broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on, attacking, on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There will be they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we have this war of Gog and Magog. It's also mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38, and it lays out who Gog and Magog is. And when you do, well, I showed you a map of it a few weeks ago. When you do the uh, geographical study, you learn that there's, in Ezekiel, there's another one mentioned called Rosh, R-O-S-H, which many believe that to be Russia. There it is. So I wonder if we could just kind of imagine together, why is everything happening there? How come you never see a Bible prophecy map where Toronto's involved? <laughs> there's people there, not many. Well, there's a lot in Toronto, but not in the whole nation as a whole, but why here, Israel? But isn't it interesting that, that God made it that way and that he could make it that way and that it feels a little bit to me like I'm out of the action way over here? And I'm okay with it for now. I'm okay with it. But 
It almost is like in the end times, we read about lands being ravished with plagues, these bowls, these um, trumpets, these different things that happened. And what we see here is the population of the earth, go here with me if you can, is reconsolidated to here. Because it seems to me like when we read about the judgments that happen in Scripture, Babylon is all about being the one that God is judging. Now, some would want you to believe that New York or Vegas is Babylon, but it's not. It's Iraq. That's the biblical location. It's right there where almost Jordan meets Iraq. Right there is a very fertile area. That's Babylon. Actually, Babylon spread all the way into Iran and down into Saudi Arabia, the old kingdom. But the city of Babylon was right there in that spot. So think about if you just for a minute, if the, the first three and a half years with all of these terrible things happening, coming back to the AI discussion. If Elon Musk is already talking about making thousands and then millions, and then the world shuts down because people die, and people are raptured, who's going to do the work? You with me? So how many of you guys understand that the devil always does a cheap version of what God really does? So, so what is the promise to you and I as saints and believers upon the Lord Jesus is that we will reign with him, right? And that we've been given responsibility in eternity and even in the millennial kingdom. We will be given responsibility to work and to rule and to reign with him. So if the devil always has a cheap version of that, then would it be so far for us to leap to an area to where, okay, a third of the people have now died for plague. And then a third of those people die again. So now we're really shorthanded. Sorry, we got to close the inside of the restaurant. Only the drive throughs open. Are you with me? For the first time in my life, at least, I can picture a world that still somehow functions in the midst of all of that chaos, because I've always had a hard time picturing it. How in the world could these judgments happen in sequence, one after the other, after the other, after the other? To me, everybody would be living in holes, just waiting for it to stop. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says is that Babylon will be great, and its sin will be even greater, and the Antichrist, in my mind, if it's how, the way I've been thinking, the Antichrist is going to rule over nothing because everybody's dead, right? But, but what if AI is in such a place to where plane crashes are cleaned up in a moment? Restaurants are staffed by those weird-looking robot things. There's a place in... Uh, a sushi restaurant in Los Angeles that I saw that you pay extra to go and get your sushi made by these robots. I thought that'd be cool. 
And then I did the study tonight. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> but at the end of the day, guys, think how quickly we've said a few things. Technology is more advanced than we really know. So they're telling us that they want millions of robots. So do you think they already have them, maybe? And there's some knucklehead in China that's saying, hey, listen, we're in the testing phase of the sand-sized microchips. Testing who? Testing where? This guy's probably sitting there at an interview with sandy microchips all throughout his body. <laughs> because he is, you guys saw Hulk, right? He, test, he tested on himself. And he became the Hulk, right? So I, I hate to take us down that path, but I'm telling you, you guys got the fear not thing from Pastor Anthony. And I say every week, fear not. So I don't need to say it anymore, right? There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm just like, for the first time in my life, I can see the tribulation and then the great tribulation a little more clearly according to Scripture because when it comes time to Armageddon, so many people have already died and yet there's still an army of what? Of who? You with me? All right, we're done for the night. Starting next week, in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at world religions. And I believe it's part of prophecy because we need to know what they believe. Because we need to know how to tell them about Jesus. And we need to know how to counter that. And I think in the end times, people are going to begin to see holes in their belief systems when they're not the true gospel. So beginning next week, we're going to start unpacking those things one at a time. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we've had to get together tonight. Thank you for letting me get done on time. And God, may you just give us your blessing, your favor as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church.